All right, listen up, boys. Y'all want to be good sheep herders and all, don't you? Two things you need to know. Number one, stay awake. And number two, you ask questions. You know, Benji, Benji, don't have to ask questions now, all right? No, well, I mean, you can ask a question. I mean, you know, if something don't look right or, you know, if you've got a strange feeling in your gut, then, yeah, ask a question. For example, uh, that, that night when all those angels visited, yeah, everyone else was asleep. Not me, I was awake, just like my daddy taught me. Darn right I'm bragging. That's what separates men from the boys, son. So like I said, I was sitting there by the campfire, wide awake, and I just got this flutter in my gut. Like you know something's gonna happen, like something big's gonna happen, but you just don't know what it is, you know? I think that's it. You just don't know what you don't know. But I walk over that rise, and then bingo. I'm looking at the biggest, scariest angel I ever did see. Not that I ever saw one, you know. And you know what the first thing out of that angel's mouth was? Don't be afraid. Too late. <laughs> and then that angel just got this nice look on his face. He said, uh, I've got a message to tell you. And then the big old angel said, baby got born tonight and he's gonna save the world and then a mess of them angels came around and they were saying glory to God glory to God in the highest that's what they just kept saying and then they was gone Well, I don't need to tell you that we don't get invitations like that, you know, being crusty old sheep herders and all. But we went to Bethlehem and I met that mama and that baby boy. I think they were a little shocked to see us, but we told them about the angels and all. I think that tickled her pink. And then we all just kind of stood there making sure everything was okay. Kind of like when a new lamb is born. About the time you figured out everything's gonna be fine, you just settle in. And you just kind of take in the whole thing. That's what we were doing. But this was different. Because underneath that big bright star, We was watching the world saving baby. And we got to brag on him a bit. And Benji, this old soul, it's been awake ever since. Calvary, we're glad that you have gathered together with us to worship Jesus Christ. The one who came, was born as a baby, and died on a cross in our place. This morning is the first Sunday in Advent, and thus we are starting an Advent series. The English word Advent is derived from the Latin word, which means coming. And in fact, it points to the coming of a king 
And so for believers in Jesus Christ, it points us to a season spent waiting and preparing not for a king, but for the king. Just as Israel awaited for their Messiah, Advent reminds us that we are waiting. We're waiting for his return. And much of this season reinforces that for us, does it not? Some of you wait to sing Christmas songs. Comes too early for me. We wait for family to come. We wait to open presents. All of this waiting in this season is actually good and right and theological. Because it all reminds us, it points that we are waiting for something greater. That's a message you should give your kids, by the way, as we wait for things, that it's good for us to wait. That just as Jesus came as the Messiah after the Israelites had waited and waited and waited, so we wait to return the return of Jesus Christ as the triumphant king. Because that's what Advent is. When rightly considered, it's to look at both realities. That Jesus came as the messianic king. We want to remember that. That Christ was born as a baby. And Jesus will return as the triumphal king. We want to remember that. So it's our hope at Calvary that every year during this season, that while we're singing Christmas songs and while we hang Christmas lights and while we put up Christmas trees, that each and every one of us would be reminded to take the intentional time to wait, to slow down, to pause, to tune our hearts to the birth of the Messiah, the King. To be reminded in all of its greatness that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We should never move past that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and Jesus Christ, who had existed from eternity past, who had no beginning, humbled Himself and became a human being born as a baby in Bethlehem. And so for the next four weeks, we will be in a season of Advent, celebrating Jesus' coming, celebrating and looking forward to His return. And to do so, we'll be walking through a series that I've entitled, What Child Is This? Considering and looking at the question, Who is this baby? That was born. What is this child? And what does the story reveal about who he is? The title of our series, What Child Is This? Obviously comes from the hymn written by William Chatterson Dix, written in 1865. Actually, Dix wrote it as a poem entitled The Manger Throne, looking at a king born as a baby. And considering and answering the question that he was quite sure the shepherds had to be asking. And to be fair, the question that each of us should ask every Christmas, what child is this? Who is this baby? Who's this baby that was revealed to the shepherds? We're going to spend four weeks looking at it, trying to get a grasp of both the tangibility of Jesus, that he was born a baby, and the transcendent nature of the fact that he was a messianic king that he was he was touchable he was tangible he was real 
He wore diapers. And yet he was prophesied to be coming for thousands of years. He's tangible and he's infinite. He's touchable and he's transcendent. And this morning we want to consider that he was revealed to the shepherds. These very real people who spent their time with sheep. It's the purpose of the video. We want to personify those guys a little bit. And we want to consider what does it mean that Jesus, well, that, that God reveals it to them. And what was God's purpose in doing so? So turn with me to Luke 2 and let's consider the shepherd's story. Luke 2, verse 8. And in that same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. You would note, if you are a Bible reader, there's a lot of this story that precedes this. It talks about the birth of Jesus. We're kind of ignoring that right now because we're considering the perspective of the shepherds. We want to think about what that night was like to them. They're out in the fields. It's a normal night in a normal field filled with probably normal sheep. These guys had probably experienced thousands of nights just like this. You hear a noise. wonder if it's a wolf. You wonder if it's a bear. The stars are out, but this night would be very different. And not just a little. This night would change everything, and not just for them, but for everyone. Because something great happens in verse 9. It's what it says. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So this group of men with their sheep on a hill, all of a sudden God sends an angel. And in and of that self, that would be awesome, right? We see this perspective several times in Scripture. God sends a messenger and people are flattened. They're overwhelmed by the presence of an angel, but that's not all God does here. No, God also chooses to reveal His glory. It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. Signature moved by God. It's the bright and glorious light signifying His presence that He's there. There's something that's going to be really different about this night for these shepherds. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Full pause. A Savior is born. Christ the anointed one, the one that all of Israel has been longing for, the one they've all been waiting for, Christ the Lord. The angel announces the arrival of the Messiah. And we should take note of this because he doesn't announce it to the religious. He doesn't bring it to the rule followers. He doesn't bring it to the prim and to the proper. He doesn't bring it to those who had everything together. Now, God announced the arrival of His Son, not to those who were waiting, not to those who'd studied, but He brought it to the shepherds, to the men out in the field taking care of the sheep. 
to the men who at that time were at the very bottom of the social ladder of Israel. And we need to consider that. How God reveals Himself and to whom He reveals Himself to. Because for all the people or people groups or the people types that God could have revealed this truth to, the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord show up to the shepherds. And it wasn't an accident. On this day, the angel declares a Savior has been born. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And if all of that isn't big enough for the shepherds, if the angel, if the glory of the Lord, if an announcement of the Messiah isn't enough to knock these guys over, the scene gets bigger. Verse 13. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Angel glory choirs, myriads upon myriads of angels praising God, announcing God's bringing peace with, to those in whom he's pleased. Now, if you're a shepherd and you're standing there, you're probably half covered in dirt and half covered in sheep muck. You're probably a little tired. You're probably a little worn out. And God shows up. More than that, God shows up announcing He's bringing peace to those in whom He's pleased. What would it be like for a shepherd to consider God might be pleased with them? See, that's not a message that the world had given them before. That's probably not a message that was coming to them out of Israel, coming to them from the synagogue, coming from their rabbis. God is pleased with you. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What child is this? The shepherds soon figured out that this was the long-awaited Messiah. They figured it out because God made it known to them very, very plainly through an angel, through His presence, and through a myriad of other angels. Why them? I think there's at least two reasonable answers. The first of which is that they're clearly receptive, correct? They take the news and they move on it. If you watch this whole story, there are plenty of people who should have seen this moment, this moment coming and yet seem to ignore it. They seem to have other things to do. They seem to want to oppress the people or they seem to want to be pursuing self-righteousness. The shepherds hear the announcement of the Savior and they're moved. They respond. And yet you would also find 
that God has a special place in his heart for shepherds. Always has. Many of the great people in this story throughout the scriptures were shepherds. You see it lived out in the life of Abraham. You see it in Jacob. You see it in Moses. You see it in David. Over and over again, you see shepherds. You see, in this story, God revealing the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. And I think that's God intentionally foreshadowing some things about this baby. Things that would prophesied about him in the Old Testament. Things that would soon come to fulfillment through Jesus. See, there are lots of things that we can pick up. There's lots of imagery that we can pick up about this birth. We can imagine Jesus as a baby. We could shoot forward and imagine Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But so much of this moment when you lean into the life of the shepherds, is to recognize that God is forecasting. He's trying to put shepherds on your mind. He's trying to build this imagery for you so that you'll see the fulfillment of the Messiah as a shepherd. What child is this? He's a shepherd. It's a picture that the scriptures are replete with. We see it as early as Genesis 48. When Jacob, praying over his son Benjamin, or praying over his son Joseph, illustrates God as a shepherd. Genesis 48 through 15, 48, 15 says this. And he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day. Now, Jacob knew what it was like to be a shepherd. Jacob attended sheep most of his life. He sat with them. He watched them. He stared at them. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. He knew when they were hungry. He knew where they needed to be fed. He knew where they needed to go to be healthy. He knew, he knew where they needed to stay away from that would lead them into trouble. A good shepherd could look at a sheep and go, that one, that one's headed for trouble. Let's pick him up and move him. Jacob knew all of these things and yet looked at this example, this illustration from his own life and said, that's what God does for me. He loves me. He watches over me. He protects me. God has been my shepherd. And of course, we see David, a shepherd, using this same imagery in Psalm 23. This is what David writes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. David too illustrates his relationship with God as God being his shepherd. As God taking care of him. God providing for him. Because David too knew full well the role, the responsibility of a shepherd. That he would watch over the sheep. That he'd take care of the sheep, protecting him from danger. That he would lead them towards safety. Because Jacob and David knew that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year, the all-encompassing role of being a shepherd. And they looked up at God. That's what he does for me. He 
is my shepherd. And beyond that, in the Old Testament, the Lord declares that the Messiah will be a shepherd. In fact, the Lord declares that the Messiah will be the good shepherd. And contrast him from what the leaders of Israel were doing and would be doing. Noting that people would lead them poorly. That someday God would send his son. He'd send the Messiah to be a good shepherd to take care of his people. This is painted for us in Ezekiel 34. And I want you to listen carefully to what God says about himself. About how God reveals himself and a characteristic of his coming. Listen to this. And as you listen, I want you to be mindful of the fact that you are a sheep. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For thus says the Lord God, Behold I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all of the places where they've been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. See, I'm wanting you to see the personal nature of a shepherd. I'm wanting you to see that the Lord is declaring that he's going to seek you out on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Every couple of years, probably every several months, I refer to a book that I read a couple of years ago called The Shepherd's Life, a book by James Rebanks. He's a not a believer. He's a shepherd, lives in England, shepherds sheep. It's a phenomenal read because he's a shepherd, right? He takes care of sheep. And one of the chapters that so moved me, in the middle of that book, he writes about there being a huge snowstorm. And he talks about how in a storm, the job of a shepherd is to recognize that it does not matter the conditions outside, that you actually do have to physically go out and touch every single sheep to know its condition. So I'm reading this book about this shepherd taking care of his sheep, and I'm just weeping. Because God takes care of us that way, doesn't he? He touches us. He looks after us. He knows our condition. That's John 5 in a synapsis. When the man who can't walk, Jesus walks up to him, says he knows the man's condition. He knows how long he's been there. Friends, never, ever lose that idea that the shepherd knows you. He knows your condition. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need to be healthy. He knows the poor decisions that you're making and He's trying to lead you away from them. Don't miss the personal nature of a shepherd. Ezekiel 34.13 And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. 
I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. Friends, this is the picture of the Messiah. This is a picture using the same imagery that David uses in Psalm 23. It's a shepherd seeking his flock. It's a shepherd protecting his flock. It's a shepherd leading his flock to rich pasture. Now friends, what I'm wanting you to see is a picture that will be fulfilled through this baby that was born on that beautiful night when the angel and the glory of the Lord shone before the shepherds. That this is what God had in mind when he sent his son. That that's the purpose in sending his son. Not just that he'd be your savior, but that he'd be your shepherd. That he'd be your good shepherd. What child is this? He's a good shepherd. And in fact, Jesus declares that about himself in John 10. He takes some of this verbiage from Ezekiel, declaring that this is who he is. Listen to the words of Jesus, John 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Friends, when the Jews considered the Messiah, they had an image of a shepherd because God had given them the imagery. But this, this what we see in John 10 is not what they expected. Because what Jesus is forecasting about the good shepherd is in fact that the wolf is coming. The wolf is coming to kill and to destroy and to scatter the sheep. And the hired hands are going to flee. But who stays there? The good shepherd. Because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd would die to protect his flock. And the good shepherd lays down his life that his sheep might live. Friends, it's Jesus shepherding you that sent him to the cross. It's Jesus as the good shepherd stepping in your place to take your sin. But it's Jesus shepherding you that puts him in the way of the cross so that you don't taste the death that you deserve. So you don't have the wolf devour you as it might have otherwise. Jesus is the good shepherd. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I bring down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Listen to the words of Jesus. Can you imagine how well Jesus knows the Father? 
I mean, literally consider that for a moment because they've been together infinitely. Consider how well the Father knows the Son because they've been together infinitely. They're omnipotent. They have all knowledge. They know everything. And to that, Jesus says, just as. Just as the Father knows me, so I know you. So I know you. What Jesus is declaring as the Good Shepherd is that I know you, that you are mine. You're my sheep. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses, just as any shepherd would know his sheep. Jesus is declaring, I know which one of you will run ahead and get into danger. And I know how to take care of you. I know which of you tend to fall behind and make yourself easy prey to the wolves. And I know how to take care of you. I know which of you that tend to wander off and get lost. And I know where to find you. I know which of you tend to bite. I know which of you tend to get bitten. Jesus says, I know you. Every imagery that can be brought to bear here about a shepherd knowing, loving, and tending his sheep is brought to bear in this passage. Jesus says, you're mine. There's one flock, there's one shepherd, more sheep. And if, in fact, you wonder if this is you, consider verse 16. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. That's you, literally. Jesus says, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to pursue you. You're a Gentile. I'm going to fold you into my flock, and I'll be your shepherd. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Friends, what Jesus is declaring is that he's the good shepherd and that he shepherds his sheep and that he's going to lay down his life for a sheep. He's willing, and he's planning, and he came to lay down his life, to shepherd your life and to shepherd my life. And Jesus would then add in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus says, I'm not going to lose you. You're my sheep. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Friends, as we walk into this Advent season and consider the question, what child is this? I'm going to try to bring us low to appreciate the tangible nature of a baby, of a human, of a shepherd. The very personal nature of God, that the Word became flesh. Eugene Peterson writes in, the, in the, his translation of that in the message, the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. He came to be with us. 
He came to walk with us. He came to shepherd us. He's real. He's tangible. And he's transcendent. And we're going to walk through couplets, looking at his humanity and his transcendence. Next week, we'll be in his transcendence. The week after that, we'll be looking at his humanity. The week after that, we'll look at his transcendence again. Because we want to have in mind the full remembrance that Jesus was human and that he was divine. We want to have in mind that he was the king and that he was the savior. And we want to have in mind that he's coming back for us. And when we ask the question that the shepherds asked, what child is this? We need to be mindful that he wasn't just just a baby. And neither was he just a long-awaited Messiah, though he was absolutely both of those things. We want to be reminded that he was the good shepherd. That the good shepherd comes to lay down his life. And the good shepherd does not flee, but provides for and protects his sheep. And we want to be reminded that he came and that he knows me and that he knows my name and that he's pursuing me and watching out after me and taking care of me and providing for me. Friends, this Advent season, we want to be reminded that Jesus came as the good shepherd. That's why he revealed himself to the shepherds in part. So that these very well-leathered men, these well-weathered men would know and understand and be known the same way God revealed himself to David, the same way God had revealed himself to Abraham and to Jacob. I will shepherd you. God wanted these shepherds to know they too would be shepherded as he wants you to know that as well. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus, the good shepherd, that as you revealed him to the shepherds who had sheep, it's an illustration you want us to grab onto. It's a picture you want us to hold. That you are the good shepherd. And that when you became flesh, when you became human, when you were born into this world, the as a baby, you did so because you wanted to shepherd us in a direct way. You wanted to touch us. You wanted to feel us. You wanted us to know, as Hebrews 4 points out, that you know all the difficulties of walking the path we'll walk. And yet you did it without sin. So I pray as we walk through this season, that you would shepherd us well. Reminding us when to rest. Reminding us of who you are. Reminding us of the great love you have for us and the great protection you have for us. And reminding us that you know us intimately. 
In the name of Jesus, we pray. The good shepherd. Amen.